Thank you for listening to Podcast My Football. This is another episode featuring the Denver Broncos. I brought on Ian. He's a really cool guy. He's got a lot of stuff to say about the Broncos. One of the biggest things that we talked about is the draft and just the reasonable expectations that we have for Drew Locke, that kind of stuff. And if you stick around, there's some kind of hot takes that we put out there for you guys, just so you guys can bash on us if you want. But if you guys are a big Broncos fan, share this with anyone that you know. You know, I, I do this as a hobby. It's not monetized or anything like that. But even if there's no Broncos fans that you know of, share this with anyone that has uh, any sort of NFL fan base. So that way they can come talk crash to me, or if they want, they can be a guest and we can feature their team on an episode. So if anyone's interested in being a guest, email me at podcastmyfootball at gmail.com and we'll make it happen. Thank you for your listen. All right. Welcome, Ian. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? Doing pretty good. Thank you for responding to my post today. Appreciate that. Of course. So I have a Broncos fan on here. Um, as a Broncos fan, first, what what brought you to being a Broncos fan? What's what made you a fan of Denver? Uh, so my gra- my uh, dad grew up in Denver, Colorado, when he was young. Uh, so it kind of got passed down onto me, uh, just through that. So. Okay, cool. What what was like the biggest moment that you're like, okay, yeah, I'm a Broncos fan, or is it just a slow, slow I, roll? I would say I really started following Denver, uh, like religiously, the first year, the Tebow year. That was when I was just okay. like, all right, I'm into the Broncos. Okay, just jazzed up off of Tim Tebow. Mm-hmm. Dang. So, okay, I feel like I have kind of a controversial take on that. Okay. Like, I understand that Tebow wasn't, like, you know, an amazing quarterback. Yeah. And you you eventually got Peyton Manning, and obviously you take Peyton Manning. But to me, Tebow was a winner. And um, people say that about college quarterbacks all the time, and they've had good teams and whatnot. But putting Tebow in that year, they had – an unreal record of comeback comeback wins, you know, and Mm -hmm. having that kind of guy, like, I feel like more people should have like gone with Tim Tebow, you know, I I don't know about the Broncos, but like just roll with that guy because he's a leader. He, you know, he produces wins and even though his throws ugly as all get out, it gets there. And I don't know. That's, that's my opinion. I I feel like he should have gotten a, better shot in the nfl than what he got but yeah i mean i understand that i think if you wanted to compare him to maybe like let's compare him to lamar jackson right yeah um lamar jackson is a small i think he i believe he's smaller than tim tebow so he's able to be a little faster and his football uh throwing skills are just immensely better than tebow the issue with tebow really is it's not a long-term success way of playing you're not able to if you're down every game sure you might have a good comeback team and the ability to come back but you don't want to necessarily rely on that that's true yeah no my my point on that and i mean andrew luck Peyton manning all those people have gone through like a ton of come from behind wins um you get you know you start doing different things so i mean it's not my most firm take ever but um no, I get you. I, I think you, if you ride with Tim Tebow, you know, you start to game plan behind him more. I've, I don't think anyone was doing that. 
back then with like, you know, throwing in Tim Tebow midseason. But like Lamar Jackson built around him and they had a phenomenal season over there. So I don't know. It's just just one of my, my little tidbits of Tim Tebow era phenomena. But so moving forward then, you stayed a pretty solid Broncos fan, I would assume. What uh what has been your feeling about the Broncos since Peyton Manning has left? So since Peyton's left, it's really, I don't want to say it's been hard, but it's been kind of your classic uh, football problem that you see a lot nowadays, which is you're just bouncing around. You have to try every quarterback that you possibly can uh, to try to find somebody who will be your franchise guy. And unfortunately, you know, we spent a first round pick on Paxton Lynch and that didn't work out. Uh, Trevor Simeon looked good for a while, but then we, you know, as time went on, you kind of found limitations to his game. I mean, it's really hard to replace a Hall of, first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback, uh, not, and even Peyton Manning. I mean, Peyton Manning, one of the greatest of all times. So it's it was rough. It felt like we were still close. We were competitive because we still had that Super Bowl caliber defense. I mean, if you look at the year after mm-hmm. Peyton left, we did go nine and seven. Uh, so that's really, you know, that's a commendable record. We just missed out on the playoffs. Um, but yeah, it, it really, I mean, it comes down to, do you have a quarterback that can lead your team for the next 10 years? And once you find that, then you can really start building around them. Yeah. Speaking of, it feels like you have that guy, but I feel like that's that's a question still. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I'd say it is a question, but um, the things John Elway has done to build around him is really good, and I really like it because the way you have to deal with kind of these question mark quarterbacks is you have you better find out sooner rather than later if he really is the guy. So when you look at the Denver offense, sure, their offensive line still might be a little suspect, but you have a first-round tight end, you have uh, Jerry Judy, you have Cortland Sutton, you have uh, the new wide receiver we drafted in the second round this year, um, KJ Hamler. Uh, You have Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay. I mean, if you just, if you took out the quarterback from that situation, that's probably a top 10, top five position skill group, potentially. I don't want to say it's set in stone, of course. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a lot of young people on that squad. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if you put, I mean, Aaron Rodgers on that team, that's going to be lights out offense football. Yeah. Yeah. So with Drew Locke, uh, what were your thoughts when you guys drafted him last year? Is that something that you're like, oh, hell yeah? Or is that like, that's not our guy? Definitely. I was definitely a, oh, hell yeah. Um, we did trade, so, so we were we were the tenth pick in the draft. We traded back to number twenty uh, with the Steelers, and you know a lot of people thought, okay, well we need to take a quarterback. It was most likely going to be Locke. John Elway loved him throughout all of the scouting process. So then we didn't take Locke, and in the first round we we're like, well we got one of the top two tight ends. You know it's not it's not mm-hmm. the end of the world. You know maybe Drew Locke falls, and luckily enough he did. Granted, he was technically our third pick in the draft. So when people, when we selected um, uh, the second pick in the second round, 
and it wasn't Drew Locke, people were kind of like, uh, you sure though? But then we immediately traded back up and got him. So I think I think he, from what I've seen so far, at the bare minimum, he looks to be a reliable starter. Yeah, I feel like that's fair enough. It's funny. I was uh, I was talking to one of my buddies, and uh, it was before it was before last year when um, it was before the draft and everything like that. And they were talking about quarterbacks, and I was sitting there like, "There's so many people that were down on Drew Locke, but the thing that I always saw on the tape was the ball just flies off his arm without effort, and like it's on a line and it's there. You know what I mean? And just seeing that, I was like, "There's no way that this guy doesn't go in the first round." But you know, we didn't know the Colts didn't know that Andrew Luck was going to retire. So we, if we were um, without Andrew Luck going into the draft, like that's who I would have wanted. But you know, that's not how things go, and things go out the the wrong way sometimes. But yeah, I was baffled that you guys got him in the second round. That was incredible, yeah, dude. So, I mean, as long as as long as he progresses normally, if you would say. If you took his stats, I mean, I've seen people kind of extrapolate his stats from last season when he played. Um, he would throw about 3,000 yards and 22 touchdowns, which is a very, you know, about mid-range. So with time and the and the weapons he has around him, hopefully that helps his development and kind of makes it easy. It doesn't put as much weight on him as you get with a lot of these rookie quarterbacks. I mean, when you, you just look at Joe Burrow, you know, He's first overall pick. He's going to a team that lost, that only won two games. So the weapons around him, other than A.J. Green, aren't great. So the learning curve for him is going to be harder than what it was for Drew Locke coming in. That's true. The the thing with Joe Burrow is he's in a situation without a great defense because in the Bengals, other than their line, which you can, I mean, no one really has a great line unless they have an elite line, you know, people notice that kind of stuff. Yeah. But you have Joe Mixon, you got AJ Green, you got um uh, T Higgins now, and um their other guy, I forget his name, was going off pretty well last year as a Boyd. So yeah, I mean possible. as far as pieces, yeah, they're they're not terrible, like as far as offensive pieces go, but they have question marks on the offensive line and on the defense. So so we got to see where that goes, but I definitely I think Drew Locke's going to have a way easier of a year playing in Denver. And I think the biggest thing is it puts pressure on him to succeed now and not, you know, wait, which mm-hmm. I don't know. It's going to be interesting because Drew Locke came off an injury and then started and, you know, he had his experience there. So he's still going to have some growing pains next year, especially you know as people get more tape on him and read his tendencies a little bit more, that kind of stuff. So, I yeah, mean, no I, th- I think I think the expectations, I, I would say, honestly, expectations, you should be a playoff caliber team. And depending on how fast Locke has adapted, that I think that determines whether that's, you know, first round exit or a push or, you know, even further. It's a, it's going to be a tough year for that though. Mm-hmm. My my thought is my realistic expectation win loss wise for our team next year would be about nine and seven. Uh, we do kind of have a harder schedule. Um, certainly at home. I know we play, obviously we play 
the Chiefs twice, and they're the Super Bowl champions, and mm-hmm. we haven't beat them in like I don't know the past four years or something. Um, yeah. The Raiders are better. The Chargers could be better. It's kind of hard to tell. It depends on if they're going to start Tyrod Taylor or Justin Herbert. I know that we play yeah. the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Saints, the Falcons. We play that division, Carolina. So, I mean, is- it. I don't want to jump on the hype train too much. So I want to limit it to about nine and seven with vying for a playoff spot, especially with the expanded playoffs as well. True. So speaking of your divisional rivals, I think obviously Casey's, you know, they're terrific, but I think they're getting to become more beatable as they just don't change as much, if that makes sense. I mean, they they came back and made hella good wins last uh, last year in the playoffs, but there's some teams that you know cracked their the chink in their armor, you know, and maybe yeah. that's because Mahomes was hurt for a little bit and whatnot. But yeah, I, I think they're getting more beatable. I still you can't put anything past Mahomes; he's just as incredible. But with that said, um, I still don't believe in the Raiders. I still don't believe in their defense. Uh, or their quarterback. I mean, I think he's mm-hmm. he's above average, but you know, there, there's just a player that he'll transcend and whatnot. And then the Chargers. Um, I just don't really like Justin Herbert. That's just one of my things. I just don't like the uh, like that pick as far as value goes. Yeah, I think the issue with you know, I'm not too necessarily as worried about. Uh, Oakland, or sorry, Las Vegas, or LA. Yeah, I think the hard thing is, what do you? How do you beat the Chiefs? Are you going to try to stop them on defense, or are you going to try to uh, match them on offense? And from what uh, we've seen with the division, at least in the draft and recently, most of the division is going for, well, let's just try to match them on offense. Mm-hmm. So, you know. You can only limit um, Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Kelsey so much. There's only so much you can do until eventually they uh, they just explode and score points. You're never going to hold them to 15 or 10. So you have to yes. be able to at least score a good amount of points to stay competitive. Yeah, I think um, just watching last year, uh, I... I'm not going to put the Colts in as a Chiefs beater because I feel like that game was due to some injuries and stuff like that. But when you get into it, though, the the teams that have beat the Chiefs, they I don't think they outscored them as far as like you know putting up 50. I feel like they kept Mahomes off the field enough to score more points and be more efficient than them. And uh. Seeing last year is it looked like the biggest thing that was a hindrance to the Chiefs' weapons is playing man and playing man very well because a lot of what Mahomes they rely on is Mahomes, you know, just making incredible throws and not so much wide receivers getting open from running routes and stuff like that. Like Tyreek Hill will take you out over the top, but other than that, like, there's not a whole lot of route running coming from that team 
that's, you know, just bonafide. Oh, yeah, you know, you don't have a Keenan Allen or a Jerry Judy now or, um, I guess, Hunter Renfro. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. But, you know, I, I just I, – I feel like they're a little bit more beatable. Obviously, they're going to – they're the favorites to win the AFC. But I just – they're more beatable the more that you get to see them. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I would go – as far as beating them, the routes that I would go is, you know, running the ball – um, getting the clock to shorten and give Mahomes as little time as possible. Yeah, you do the you do the tried and true how to beat Tom Brady strategy, which is yeah. just don't let him see the field as much as possible. True, and I you know having a ground game, you know the the Titans were phenomenal with that. That still didn't help them. This one Mahomes is out there, man. He's he's something else, but. I think the, I mean, the the motto for the AFC West was just firepower, you know, offensive firepower. You have the Broncos going after Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler. You know, that's taking off a lot of uh, pressure on Cortland Sutton. And then adding in Melvin Gordon to spell out, um, oh, what's his face? Philip Lindsay. Yeah, Philip Lindsay. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I think that's I mean that's the best that you can get and then I mean you have one of the my favorite players is uh um not Von Miller but uh the defensive end that you guys uh, Bradley had. Chubb. Yeah, Bradley Chubb. Yeah, yeah like those two going after it, oh it's gonna be crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think our defense, you know, big fangio defensive minded coach, uh old school defensive minded coach at that too. So having mm-hmm. Having Vaughn Miller and Bradley Chubb back together again is going to be really helpful. Um, Jarrell Casey, who we signed in free agency, is a really good oh, defensive man, yeah. tackle. Um, him. The the one thing that I'm kind of worried about is our secondary. Uh, we did lose Chris Harris Jr., which hurts. Um, but Kareem Jackson played really well last year. The issue is our second cornerback, uh, Bryce Callahan was injured last year, so we haven't been able to see much of him. So he's kind of the big question mark uh, on our defense. Didn't you guys also get AJ Boye? Oh yeah, we did. Oh sorry, yeah AJ Boye, but uh, which means Kareem Jackson will play more as a safety with Justin Simmons. So uh, we okay. still have Callahan as kind of that question mark on our team. Uh, AJ Boye certainly helps alleviate the loss of Chris Harris Jr. Especially with Chris Harris Jr., he's kind of getting older. I mean, I still mm-hmm. love him to death. I think he's one of the most underrated football players of his generation. So, Oh, for sure, yeah. And it's, I, it's crazy how many players leave their teams for um, teams that are within their division. Like, Melvin Gordon leaves the Chargers, goes to the Broncos. Chris Harris Jr. leaves the Broncos, goes to the Chargers. It's crazy. Yeah. So, um, okay, so with that, you said 9-7. You think the Broncos are going to go next year. Um, are you – what would you say is your – like, other than the Super Bowl, what's, like, your highest expectations for a regular season? Like, what's your – okay, they, they hit out the park this year. This is what – you know, how many wins they get this year. I would say – we would have a really good year if we went if we had 11 wins and we won a wild card game. 
if I'm thinking about it, obviously I, I don't think the Chiefs Chiefs are still going to be number one in the division, barring catastrophic failure. Um, yes. Probably have Tennessee is going to be a contender. They'll probably hit the wild card as well with uh, the Texans in there. Um, you have Baltimore will be in the playoffs, and then kind of a wild card with the East. I mean, it's yeah. hard to doubt the Patriots until until like I see the Patriots actually miss the playoffs. It's hard to doubt them because they still have Bill Belichick. So, I mean, he mm-hmm. can make magic work with pretty much anybody on the team. So, I would say if we went up against somebody, an, a wild card team, we'd be playing a division winner. So, if we got to play, I wouldn't want to play Baltimore. If we got to play the winner of the East, I would feel much better about our chances of moving on. Okay. I think that's fair to say. So I just pulled up your guys' draft because I wanted to dig in that a little bit more. So obviously we talked about Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler. Mm-hmm. I think the obvious expectation is for Judy to be the number two, to you know be um, if... Sutton's shut down, you you know, you got Judy open kind of deal. And then you have Hamler as, you know, the, I don't say gadget, but, you know, that kind of wide receiver where he's moving around. Yeah, he's, he's a slot receiver. You know, He'll be in the slot. Yeah. You can use him on screen passes. He's really going to be good in open space. It's really what he's going oh, to make sure. happen after the catch. He's a much better after the catch receiver. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then you guys went out and got a cornerback to not replace Chris Harris Jr., but to fill up the ranks a little bit there with yeah. Michael O.J. Yeah, O.J. Moody or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to um, call him Michael O.J. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't really, you know, I'm not as big of a college football fan, unfortunately, so I don't know too many of the players. But, you know, a third-round cornerback pick, um, obviously, you're playing a lot more cornerbacks. Uh, you're usually running about a three cornerback set nowadays. So he'll most mm-hmm. likely be not a heavy starter, but certainly rotational player, hopefully. So having him kind of just be able to play maybe the slot, he doesn't have to be the greatest cornerback in the world. He just needs to be able to take the third receiving option away. Mm. So, like, take out Nicole Hardman or someone. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then um, then you guys started to get into defense. You got a defensive lineman. Or, oh, actually, sorry. You got Lloyd Cushenberry. So, is, were you guys needing uh, interior offensive line? or? Yeah. So, we okay. signed Graham Glaslow in free agency from the – Lions, so that will be another guard. We have Dalton Rising Reisner, which will be the left guard. Um, our center has twice left in free agency, I believe. So we had Matt okay. Paradis leave two years ago, and then last year we had, or I guess this year we had Connor McGovern leave in free agency oh, yeah. as well. So it, we did we needed that kind of center position, which some people thought Glaslow could play because he's played all three positions with the Lions, but mm-hmm. drafting one in the, the third round really kind of just pencils him as the starter in, uh, which means yeah. your real questions on the line are the tackles on either side. So 
we'll we'll see how it goes. I think we have a very strong interior offensive line. The outside is what would be where to attack us. Okay, yeah. So just edge rushers, which mm-hmm. I mean, Bosa appears to be a huge problem for you guys at that point. Then, yeah. and then. Is there, I don't really think there's any other prime, like you guys have two really prime pass rushers, like other than Bosa and Ingram. Honestly, Ingram's a problem too, but um, yeah, that's that's crazy. And then Albert O from Mizzou, so another tight end out of Mizzou for you guys. I like that. And then yeah, he, I think the, oh, go on. So he, I, I was reading up on him. Of course, he played with Drew Locke. And uh, surprisingly enough, um, comparing him to Noah Fant last year, who was our first round pick, he's, a, I think, about the same size, and he's actually faster than Noah Fant. Not oh, by, wow. like, he's by, like, 0.01 milliseconds in the 40. Yeah. But still having two very fast tight ends for at least their position um, certainly helps. So we could even run two oh, tight yeah. end sets more um, and kind of, which will help if he's, I don't know if he's a good blocker. So I think it's a good pick. He's obviously got chemistry with Drew Locke from their time in college. Drew Locke was very excited to have him back. So I'm excited. It just kind of adds another weapon to our offense to try to help Drew Locke progress and keep up with the Chiefs. Oh, yeah. And then I think your your best like sleeper pick is uh, Natane Moody. From Fresno State, I probably messed up that name so bad, but uh, I think that one, I could be wrong because, you know, some people slide for a reason that we don't know about, and maybe he's, you know, doesn't have the drive or something like that, but that, that was some guy that I saw mocked super early all the time. It was Natane Moody going, you know, second, early second between you know, late third. So anywhere in between the second and third round, I saw Natan Moody go the whole way. I think he was on Kuiper's board for the longest time as he was falling. So then, you know, that's a, that's another piece. And I think he's one guy that if you guys needed a tackle and a pinch, like he's someone that would fit a little bit better there versus like Cushenberry or someone just because he's, he's an animal. But yeah. Yeah, it's just more, thoughts on him? it's more depth for a line, which is kind of what we've struggled with most of the time, especially after Peyton left. So one of the issues we've always had is the quarterbacks we've gotten, we've had after Peyton have just held on to the ball too long. So Drew Locke doesn't seem to have that issue as much, but still being able to, obviously, if you don't protect your quarterback, you're not going to be a successful NFL team. So you, it's one of those positions or skill groups that you can never really have too much of. Because no, no. if one gets injured and you can slot somebody in and still have a just as good or at least maybe a little worse offensive line, then you're still going to be a really good team. Oh, for sure. That's one thing, like, as a Colts fan, that like, we used to never have a good line. And it took us, it took us picking um, Ryan Kelly, which is a very solid center, I, I think he's very undervalued, but I, I don't know if he's the best in the league or anything like that. But then you have Big Q, Quentin Nelson, just wrecking the league now. Oh yeah. And then you know we got we got very solid tackles as well. Um, we just took um, a guy out of Ball State who I think's gonna 
take over for our right guard. But as of right now, we're slated to have our offensive line um, complete or to start the third year together. And they've did the first year and second year all starting, basically playing all offensive snaps. And then they might they have a chance to do it again this year unless um I mean the the, the I wouldn't say weakest point but uh, Glowinski is the the person that I think would be the the person to replace and that would be the only thing where I would say okay we have a different person on the line but like that that has been such a like it it, it changes you, your whole team having an offensive line that you don't have to worry about yeah just the difference in like Denver's play style from even having Trevor Simeon and Paxton Lynch, that offensive line, and then we drafted, when we drafted Dalton Reisner last year, I mean, mm-hmm. he played phenomenally. So even, because he's a really good run blocker. So having him in, one of my favorite uh, uh, plays from the year is, I can't remember exactly who we were playing. I want to say it was Jacksonville, but I'm probably wrong, is we're on the goal line. Philip Lindsay uh, gets handed the ball, gets kind of stopped just before, and Don Reisner just kind of grabs Lindsay and throws him into the end zone. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that guy's really good, uh, solid starter. So having extra people, having him in our lineup really changed how we played football. And I think that what Denver should do normally um, you know, Fangio is kind of one of those old, old style coaches. So running the ball is kind of an important thing in his offense. And we do have Mike Munchak as our offensive line coach. So we should, that position group should be one of the better ones, hopefully in the division, at least, which will help us run the ball. And then you create opportunities for the wide receivers to get open. Oh, yeah. And the thing that, like, is very underrated about Drew Locke, I feel like, is I feel like he gets the ball out really quick. Not just, like, in speed as far as, like, exit velocity, but just his, like, his footwork and everything like that. He he gets the ball out. Mm Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It's, you know, uh, it's hard to talk too much about, or uh, there's so many things I could say about Drew Locke. Um, I, I just think... He's he's such he looks like such a fun guy. I would, I, I would want to go yeah. and have a beer with him, you know. Um, yeah. And we're we're about the same age. I think I'm even just a barely a little bit older than him. So, oh man, I, I have yeah, high it's, hopes. It's weird getting... Yeah, I have high hopes for our team this year. I, you know, I I, I just after five four years of missing the playoffs, it's hard to be like, you know, I, I was like. Last year, I gave John Elway the benefit of the doubt with Joe Flacco. I said, look, if Joe Flacco at least plays like a mid-range starter, you know, we'll vie for a playoff spot. That didn't happen, and so I'm really trying to temper my expectations this year. Um, yeah. As, as hyped as but... I am and ready for it. But... <laughs> uh, I was I was watching uh, our highlight tapes. This uh, guy on our Reddit, he'll put out, put out rookie highlight tapes, and all sorts of highlights and I'm just sitting there watching it like, man, I'm so pumped. I'm so pumped for this year. And I, I hope that it, it goes through without, you know, having no fans in the sand or whatever they're thinking about doing. But yeah, man, it, it's exciting. I I honestly am excited for Drew Locke. I think 
him being able to work with some offensive weapons, being able to, you know, grow and stuff like that. That's going to be, he's going to be a problem. I feel like with AFC West and I think he's going to be easily the second best quarterback. It's hard to dethrone <laughs> Mahomes, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's not hard oh, to man. like with the quarterbacks that that division has, of course you have Mahomes, but I mean, other than the only one that you could really argue would be Derek Carr, but you wouldn't be looking at his recent success. You'd be really relying heavily on the fact that he had that near MVP caliber season two or three years yeah. ago. But man, like him and Gruden just have not gelled together too well. So, yeah. Well, the thing, so about that year, as a Colts fan, like, you know, I feel really terrible because um, one of our players landed on him weird and got that injury. And that's, you know, why they, you know, weren't able to do anything in the playoffs. But I was at that game uh, and I was wearing my Colts jersey. And my buddy was wearing his Colts jersey. We were decked out and yeah. probably looked kind of ridiculous. But, you know, Oakland fans, at least where we were at, were pretty fun. But anytime you started walking around the um, the grounds there, it was always like, Raiders. That's a scary team. My buddy, I, uh, yeah. I, uh, so my, my uh, dad recently moved to Baltimore, so uh, – we've kind of been indoctrinated into Baltimore Ravens fans. And uh, oh, we were no. lucky enough to go see uh, a game this year. And, uh, you know, he had, he'd bought me a Ravens shirt to wear to the game. And I was like, man, do you think it'd be a good idea to wear my Peyton Manning jersey? And he goes, dude, somebody's <laughs> going to stab you. <laughs> yeah, it was funny, though, because like, the thing with it is like you kind of just have to accept it, honestly. Like you know, you're going into enemy territories, and yeah. not the stabbing part, yeah. but like you know, getting people in your face and stuff like that. And so like, mm-hmm. I, don't know, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, like you know, I get it, that kind of deal. But my buddy was always just like in defensive, and so he <laughs> yeah. just came back to me after he got a beer. He's like, dude, someone pulled my jersey. I was about to throw hands out on him. I was like, bro, you don't need to do yeah, that. My, my like, secret just. Uh... I, I have a few years ago, I got a uh, the Denver retro logo tattooed on my right leg. So oh, anytime man. I need to pull it out and be like, yep. So I yep, can wear whatever man. jersey I want, but I still got that Bronco on me. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. It, um, it's, it's funny when people like, you know, I, I, I think it's going to be fun to go to the the Raiders games now like the Colts playing this year in Vegas and I'm planning on going with my wife and maybe with my buddies and stuff like that but man Raiders fans are interesting yeah dude it's gonna be a little sad um to see the the fact that there is no more multi-use stadiums anymore so you're never gonna get any of that uh baseball diamond dirt on a football field but yeah but that stadium was in shambles <laughs> like we we would go to the A's games and A's games are actually really fun, the Oakland A's. And mm-hmm. even if you come in as the rival team, there everyone there is super cool. Um, but yeah, that stadium, man, it's seen better days, that's for sure. Yeah, dude, Oakland Raider fans are something else. I I was uh I was at a sports bar watching the first game of the year, and uh, of course it was Denver Oakland Monday Night Football. And oh, man. 
there was some some older gentleman. Um, I use the term gentleman lightly. Older guy, <laughs> uh, who was big Oakland Raider fan, and oh my god, this guy would not shut up. Every little thing, they'd have like a three yard run, and the guy'd be like, oh, yeah. yeah, and he literally <laughs> would tell me every time one of the Raiders touched the ball. He'd be like, that guy went to this college, and he'd like give me this <laughs> dude's entire backstory of like where he grew oh, up and everything. Boy. I'm like, and you know, of course, we lost the game. And getting later, I was like, he, the the bartender could see me getting frustrated with him. I was like, he finally left, and I was like, dude, I was about to fucking snap. <laughs> I was just like, dude uh, needs to get away from me, or else I'm gonna snap on him. Yeah, <laughs> man, that's crazy. I uh. Like I like when I when I'm watching football with my wife, I'm like, oh yeah, this this person, he you know, he did this, this, that, and I'm I just spill out a whole bunch and uh, bless her for being able to put up with me. But yeah, that like that's like walking into like a Buffalo Wild Wings. Like I I walked in and it was like a it was a Niners game, and it was just every oh is it I think it was like a Niners Packers game or. Or something like that, and so anytime one team would do good, all their fans would just hoop and holler, even if it was a two-yard rush. And then if it was the other team, you know, anything that is just subtle, like they miss a pass or something like that, they would rag on the other team, and it's just like, geez, you need yeah, to dude. learn I'm in some the... context to the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I live in Texas, uh, right? So of course we have uh, we got the Dallas Cowboys and the Houston Texans, and uh, man, dude, when when Denver plays at the same time as the Cowboys do it, uh, the, no. it's packed and it's rowdy yeah Cowboys fans uh just love to yell I mean I love it I oh, love the, the the like environment but oof. oh man yeah they uh the funniest thing so my brother's uh an Eagles fan and I was just recently watching uh when the draft was in Dallas and right it was in Dallas or was it in Philly I think it was the one that was in I can't Dallas. remember. But anyways, he gets up there and he just he gives that whole roast about the oh, Eagles. Yeah. And... yeah, he was completely destroying. <laughs> it must have been in Philadelphia, yeah, because it was one of oh, the yeah, Cowboys cool. Hall of Famers. Yeah, and uh, he's like, last time the Cowboys had won a championship, these players weren't even born yet. <laughs> uh, it's It's funny, but no, I I, uh, I I can't stand Cowboys fans, and even though I'm a Colts fan, I the Texans fans are way better than Cowboys fans, in my opinion. But man, so uh, as far as uh, okay, one well, one last thing before we get going. So we talked about you know what your reasonable expectation is, and then what your highest end. What what is your lowest expectation for the Broncos? Broncos could have a really low low because when they play bad, they're they're really bad. It's hard to watch when they just play bad because they just completely shut down. Um, you know, one of the things that does worry me a little bit is at the start of last year, even though we didn't have Bradley Chubb, we still had, of course, Vaughn Miller. But we had a we started the season on like a three or four game stretch of where we didn't have a sack. So that's mm. kind of one of the things that could worry me about getting to the football or getting to the quarterback. And, you know, our defense isn't is still very, I would say, above average. But 
there's just a lot of potential for things to go wrong. Our second cornerback couldn't just not be as good as we think he is. Um, I would say worst case scenario, Drew Locke doesn't play as well, and we kind of go back to that searching. So, you know, another five or six win season would probably be probably be doomsday scenario. Okay. But there's no way that you guys are going for four and was it 12 or 13 now? No, I don't think we'll go four and 12. I mean, because we still get to play. We get to play the Raiders and the the Chargers (laughs) twice. Yeah. Um I, I feel like that's at least three wins. Yeah. I, I, I'd say that's a an reasonable three wins. It could go either way, but I think it's reasonable um, three wins there. Yeah, and the, the I think the one of the things that's working against us though is since we did finish second in the division, even though we tied with the Raiders, we'll play the second place team. So we'll play like Tennessee again. We'll play um the Bills. So those the are kind Steelers. of some hard matchups. Yeah, we'll play the Steelers. So there, there are just some hard matchups that we're going to face throughout the season. So, you know, we could just we could be just an average football team or a below average football team. You never really know when you have these kind of question marks. I mean, who who thought the Patriots were going to be? I don't want to say bad, but as bad as they were, even though they had still had Tom Brady. So. Yeah. You know, they you never I mean, really they know. almost got that second seed, but mm-hmm. they yeah. The the thing with the Patriots is uh they lost two really key defensive pieces and Tom Brady. I I would be surprised if they were to to do what they did last year. But yeah. um okay, one last thing. What what is your hottest take that you can at least like that's okay, obviously like Broncos winning the Super Bowl, but like something that's just uh, the hot take that you actually believe in or something. Well, so I, I have, uh, it's funny enough. I, I had a hot take that I talked about with a friend recently. Do you, does it, do you want it to be about the Broncos or do you want it to be just in general? general? Uh, I don't care now. Yeah. Anything. All right. Care. My hot take. All right. This is kind of bold. Matthew Stafford is a hella underrated quarterback. Matthew Stafford on any, on a decent team, could be a Super Bowl winning quarterback and with like an MVP season. Like 100% thoroughly believe that. Okay. I think Matthew Stafford is way too talented. I think he's just had, other than when having Calvin Johnson around him, I mean, he doesn't really have as many offensive weapons. And the Lions have just been so bad for so long. I, I just could see him being on a team. You give him weapons. Like, let's say he had left and now he's on defense. Players. Give him a defense. Put him on, like, give him some more offensive weapons. He, he's one of the few quarterbacks who has thrown for 5,000 yards. And other than, I mean, name a wide, wide receivers throughout his tenure. Obviously, Calvin Johnson, uh, Kenny Galladay. But after that, I mean. Golden Tate. Golden Tate. Uh, but, I mean, after those three, yeah. there's not really been a lot. And they've never all been there really together. So, it's kind yeah. of. Yeah, no, that's fair. I think, Calvin, I mean. I also kind of look. I'm, I'll tell you too. It is a little bit through rose-tinted glasses because the first time I ever played fantasy football, uh, <laughs> he was my quarterback and he led me to the yep. championship. 
so I kind of have that soft yep. spot for him. But man, dude, I, I just like Matthew Stafford at Flair. I just think I wish he would do Man. more. He's 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 tried his hardest to like bring the Lions a playoff win, and it's just kind of not fallen his way. I just think he's, yeah. I think of the quarterbacks, he was drafted number one overall. I just think he should be he should have more accolades for his stats. Oh yeah. So with with Stafford, the I, it's just going to be interesting to see what they actually do with uh, the defense there because I think taking Jeff Okuda is super smart. If they get if they get a formidable defense, you know the level of uh, what the the Colts have now, I think you're right. I think he can put up a, an MVP type season with a lot of wins because I yeah I believe that he's got that that ability it's just his his injury history now that's that's the only thing that's a question yeah. but yeah I mean, my I'm... my hot take one thing i would say uh-huh. is um and i'm gonna i'm gonna direct this at the broncos and um i think that Cortland sutton's gonna lead the league in receiving yards this year that's very and, fair i mean only because you have people that you have to pay attention to, and he absolutely destroyed the Colts last year. And I was not a fan of that game at all. And he's just he, having Drew Locke there. It's I think it's gonna make him a beast. I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna lead the at least the AFC. Oh, I'll say at least the AFC. But I just he's gonna have a tremendous season. But yeah, I'd say that, that's. Yeah, I think that that's very, very possible. I'll say, if I had to make one just real quick up for a Bronco, um, I know people are talking about Melvin Gordon. Um, you know, one of the fun facts that I like to say is Philip Lindsay is the first undrafted running back to have two back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons to start their career. And mm-hmm. my guess is he's going to have another one. Oh, yeah. That would be, even with Melvin Gordon, I understand, like, they've said 1A, 1B. I still think that Philip Lindsay will be the primary back because his ability to make plays out of nothing. I mean, if he has any open space, he's a threat he's to gone. take it to the house every time. Yeah. 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 I, I could, I could, I could see that. I, I don't know if I can stand behind it just as right now, only because that that's a hell of a, you know, being able to do that three year three years in a row is hella good. And that, you know, throwing in Melvin Gordon, you know, not to take away from the guy, I think he's really good, but it's just it that that would be awesome. But I just I don't know, man. That's a yeah. that's a good one. It's right. really interesting, it. yeah. All right, man. Well, thanks for being on this call with me, and yeah, it's been fun. Uh, yeah, keep in touch.